Good afternoon, Metro Augusta. This is Janice Allen Jackson welcoming you to the May 12th edition of Local Matters, a show designed to make you a more confident voter and a more engaged citizen. Today's show is brought to you by the Security Federal Bank. Security Federal is a local bank they are a community development financial institution, and they have 17 locations between Augusta, Georgia, and Columbia, South Carolina to serve you. Security Federal would like to see you if you are interested in the Federal Paycheck Protection Program. Uh, that program is available through the end of May if you need to come in and make application. And even if you think that you may not qualify for the program, they encourage you to at least call, talk to them and find out. At their customer service line, there's actually a human being that you can talk to uh, as well. You can go into either of their 17 locations and find out what your eligibility is. If you aren't eligible for that, they also provide additional services uh, ranging from uh, college savings accounts uh, to financial counseling, uh, investment services, etc. So please give our friends at Security Federal a call to see if they can serve you. Of course, as always, this program is also brought to you by Janice Allen Jackson and Associates. My firm is uh, primarily provides services to local governments and nonprofit organizations, but it's also the host of all of the Local Matters episodes that I have done since March of last year. So if you would like to go back to an episode, if you missed something, uh, if you want to share something with uh, friends, family, and others in your circle, please go to JaniceAllenJackson.Weebly.com, the Local Matters tab, and all of those shows are there for your listening pleasure as well as for your information and edification. Today's show is another one of my uh, multi-topic shows. Uh, we're going to cover a number of things that are hot right now. Uh, those hot topics include COVID vaccinations here in the Augusta area, as well as uh, nationwide. We're going to take a look at where Georgia stands. A while back, I... Uh, talked about this. And at that point, Georgia was dead last. We'll see where Georgia is right now. Uh, we will also uh, talk about what is happening in Atlanta, Georgia, as it relates to the mayor's race. Um, we see that uh, Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms has announced that she will not seek re-election. And we'll talk a little bit about some of the reasons for that and uh, how that reflects overall on uh, how tough it is to hold an office like that, particularly at a time uh, like she's had in the last year. Thirdly, we'll 
also talk a little bit, go micro local or hyper local uh, as the expression goes in regard to the fourth street jail project. You see that uh, the Augusta Commission has made a decision uh, regarding a firm to demolish that building. And we'll talk a little bit about uh, just the history of that building, how we got to where we are with that. And I'll reflect on some of my personal memories actually in regard to that structure. As we discuss the status of COVID-19 in our country and particularly our state, the good news is, is that the numbers are going down in regard to uh, the number of new cases. Uh, you look at one point, I think at the peak, which was probably around January, right after the holiday season, um, you look every day and on some some of those days, the number of deaths was over 3,000. I think we got close to 4,000 at one point per day. Um, last time I looked, um, maybe the number was around 600 per day. Some days I think I saw numbers even up slightly below 400. So that is excellent news that the number of deaths has decreased. But at the same time, we look at the entire uh, length of the pandemic and we had over 582,000 Americans alone that have lost their lives. And if we look worldwide into countries like uh, uh, India and so forth, it just appears to get worse and worse and worse. So while definitely we've made some strides, there's been some improvement. Uh, we still have a long way to go. And sometimes I have the feeling that people are getting lax. Um, because the caseloads are lower and because we have uh, the vaccine available and many of us have taken that, it just seems like folks have a less heightened sensitivity in addition to the fact that we're just tired of all of the restrictions that we had experienced. And now we see all these states opening back up. Uh, we hope that that's not going to be detrimental to us. In terms of uh, the state of Georgia and vaccination rates. Um, I think I shared with you all a couple of weeks ago that I finally went in and got my first uh, vaccine. I was among those that was officially vaccine hesitant, just wondering if they had studied this thing long enough to know if it was really going to be effective against a disease that we didn't seem to know a whole lot about. But, you know, I was able to get over my fears and I did go ahead and, and get that first shot. Um, had scheduled my second shot. I got the Pfizer vaccine. Didn't do me so uh, bad. You know, I had a little sleepiness. Other than that, I was fine. Um, well, uh, I went in to get my, I was scheduled to get my second vaccine. I was scheduled for a Friday afternoon. A few days before that, I got a call from the health department saying that they wanted to move my time because um, they were shortening the hours at the vaccination center there uh, at the Craig Halton Elementary School, what had been the Craig Halton Elementary School. So that created a set of problems for me because um, being moved in the morning was not an option because, because I had some other appointments at that time. So I wound up having to change days and that sort of stuff. Um, I also found out in that process that it has gotten a little bit harder to get a vaccine. Um, it was easier for me to make arrangements for that using the local phone number here at the Richmond County Health Department. That is 706-721-5800. Uh, I call them to, to schedule. Um, they 
did tell me, hey, we're trying to close the vaccine center down by noon uh, every day. And the reason they're having to do that is just because there's just not as many people coming through. At the very beginning, when the vaccine was first available, those who wanted to get it were all rushing out to get it and having a hard time finding a spot uh, where they could get in. Now it's just the opposite. There is plenty of vaccine available and apparently not enough people to take it. Uh, so they are uh, reducing the hours there. In fact, when I did uh, reschedule, I was able to get in one morning. I think my appointment was around 10. I got there and there was one car ahead of me and one car behind me. So that illustrates how much the pace of vaccination has slowed down. Uh, and it's a nationwide trend. It's not just Georgia. Uh, what is particularly of note is that right now, only about 28% of Georgians are fully vaccinated. Uh, we are no longer the lowest, have the lowest vaccination rate in the country, but we're still close. Uh, we are with uh, states like Tennessee, uh, Utah, Puerto Rico, Idaho, and Arkansas. Though that's our peer group. Um, the only states with lower vaccination rates than Georgia are Alabama at 26% and Mississippi at 25.5%. So again, only 28% of Georgians being fully vaccinated. And uh, I'm sure there are a number of reasons for that. Uh, as I started going through um, some data, as always, you know, I like to research when I'm providing information to you. Don't, I don't like shooting from the hip. Uh, I looked on the other side. I saw that the states with the highest vaccination rates are all in the New England states, uh, Connecticut, Maine, Vermont, Massachusetts. They're all over 43%. But even at those being the highest, at 43, 46%, uh, et cetera, um, that's still less than half of the population being fully vaccinated as of yesterday. So why is it? Um, we always talk about maybe people are vaccine hesitant, and I'm sure that some of them are. Uh, the current estimates are that there are about 28 million residents of the United States who haven't been vaccinated, vaccinated just because they kind of don't want to. They, they aren't sure. I've read a few articles. Uh, Sometimes I've talked to some people. Uh, I have a neighbor that I talked to a few days ago, and he was just like, oh, no, I'm not putting that stuff in my body. Um, I'm just not going to do that. So you got some that just don't think that it's viable uh, and don't think it's a good idea. Then on the other hand, you have some folks like my husband who just insisted that he get a Johnson & Johnson vaccine because he does not like needles, doesn't like the idea of you know, showing up to be shot, uh, willing to be vaccinated, but just not willing uh, to uh, go through the two-shot routine. So we had started hunting around for places to do that. And at first that was really tough. Well, guess what? Um, I contacted a local pharmacy um, yesterday, just gave them a call, said, hey, do you have any more of that Johnson & Johnson vaccine now that it's back on the market? Because you know, it was off for a while. Uh, asked if they have any. They said, oh yeah, we got plenty, just plenty. Just go through the online system, get set up, make an appointment. 
um, one of the other things that made it a little interesting was that they only offered appointments about three days out. They were only offering the schedule for Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday of this week, um, which to me felt like we were rearranging his life around the vaccine instead of uh, rearranging the vaccine around his life. Uh, which points to another one of the reasons that it has been a little tough to get people to take the vaccine. In fact, um, it's not so much in many cases that they are hesitant as it is really that they uh, just can't find time to do it. it. This idea of rearranging your life around the vaccine is a little bit too difficult. Um, it includes people who are basically just trying to work for a living um, the New York Times article that I read that referenced this is they haven't gotten a vaccine yet, but they aren't hesitant either. Uh, it's estimated that 30 million Americans are somewhat interested. They're just out of time or it's hard to figure out where it is or the hours that the vaccination is offered are just inconvenient to them. Um, that might speak to a need for better policy or policy changes around when it's offered. Uh, doing evening clinics, weekend clinics, uh, and those sorts of things. Um, President Biden, in fact, has talked about the vaccine. They're just not sure how to get where they want to go in terms of doing it. Not sure, want a specific type of vaccine like the J&J. &J. Uh, not sure where to get it uh, or it's available at a time that's just not convenient to them. So that speaks to a need for adjustments in how it's provided. I hope some of our, our uh, policymakers at the state health departments and the other locations that are offering vaccines uh, get the message and uh, can adjust what they're doing to meet the schedules and the needs of Americans. Um, as it turns out, those who are in that category are going to be those with less, less flexibility in terms of their job circumstances. They're going to be working class people who are contending with jobs, family obligations that just mean that they don't have a lot of discretionary time. Um, the estimate is about half of them live in households with incomes of less than $50,000 per year. Uh, and uh, some of the others may be in those households, uh, 50 to 100,000, uh, who are also just trying to hustle for a living. 81% uh, of those in that category don't have a college degree. Some may have health issues or language barriers or disabilities that all make it a lot more difficult to go get vaccinated. So while we are certainly encouraging those individuals um, to make time to do this. I also want to encourage the uh, healthcare system and our public health professionals to make some adjustments to meet those people where they are. Next, in terms of our hot topics, we want to talk a little bit about the city of Atlanta's uh, mayor's race. Uh, I don't address Atlanta issues a whole lot since we're here in Augusta, but I think this one is significant and it is informative in terms of why you would have uh, a mayor who has, by most accounts, done a pretty good job, just say, hey, I, I don't want to do this anymore and decide to cease her reelection bid. Uh, 
at the time that uh, Keisha Lance Bottoms was elected as mayor of Atlanta three years ago or so, uh, our joke was Atlanta has a mayor named Keisha and she's a Delta. So uh, in a little while, we have to face the fact that we will no longer have a mayor named Keisha in Atlanta. Um, the reasons for that, I listened to uh, for press conference, uh, read some coverage, editorial review of it. And uh, I have come to the conclusion that our mayor named Keisha was just tired. Uh, as you think through her entire term, but in particular, the last year and a half, uh, it has been extraordinarily difficult. And I know a lot of times people say, well, gosh, you got a position like that. Why would you give it up? Um, and you have to think about the fact that some people are just not as eager for positions of power. They're not as eager for titles uh, as others. And I've concluded after reading a good bit that uh, Ms. Bottoms just She's just not that type of person. This is not her you know, life to be mayor of Atlanta. Uh, as she announced in her news conference, one of the things she said was that uh, she had raised a lot of money, uh, which is always helpful. We've had conversation here about how important it is to be able to raise funds, to be able to run a successful bid for election or re-election. And um, she raised money. Uh, she said that some of the uh, data, the polls that she was viewing gave her 70% or more of the vote, but it just, she looked around and she realized that it was just time to step down. I think it was that point where you realize that your heart isn't in it. And it, when your heart's not in it, it's just not worth fighting for. Uh, I think, you know, she also, uh, realized that you know, she was just exhausted. Um, this has been a very contentious time. Uh, as I have always referenced, I have felt like this was the most unstable, unstable time uh, in the history of our lives in America, our lifetimes in America. Uh, she was uh, having to battle with the governor of Georgia often in relationship to COVID issues. Uh, they're taking each other to court and they're right up the street from each other, um, but their views were so different. And of course the battle against COVID has become so politicized uh, that they were often on opposite sides of the spectrum. And that I'm sure made life very difficult uh, related to the pandemic, not just in Atlanta, but in numerous other cities uh, throughout the country. The crime rate started going up during the pandemic. Uh, she's had to contend with that. Uh, one of the next thing that things that she has had to contend with is the possibility that the Buckhead section of the city of Atlanta secedes from the city. Uh, you know, Georgia law does make it possible for new cities to create themselves if those communities have uh, organized, uh, if they filed the correct petitions, if they've done the correct studies, um, there is a way for them to petition the Georgia legislature to 
separate from uh, their city or create new cities. So um, there's just an awful lot going on there that has made it difficult for her. Uh, in addition, she's facing a number of opponents. There are a few people who have already come forward saying that they're going to run against her and they have uh, begun raising money as well. Um, there are people like uh, the former mayor, Kasim Reed, who supported her in the beginning, but now aren't so sure. Uh, in fact, I think he has been a vocal critic of hers after having been a supporter of hers. So just this notion that folks can turn on you on a dime in a political environment, I am sure all of that is just exhausting for her. Um, so between the conflict, uh, you just conflict, the pandemic, the crime, uh, the opposition, you know, facing daily criticism over any decision that you have made. Miss um, Bottoms just felt like it was time for her to step down. Uh, as we evaluate her tenure in office, um, I think one of her chief attributes was her moral authority. Uh, when, during the, uh, the riots that took place in her city, uh, immediately after the, the murder of George Floyd by Derek Chauvin and those other police officers. Immediately after that, as folks took to the street, then later they had their own murder of Rayshard Brooks there in the city of Atlanta. Uh, there were people in the streets. Everybody was, they were out, they were rioting, they were tearing up things. And she was the person who came in like everybody's mother and said, you all, please just, just go home because Atlanta doesn't deserve this. Uh, it was a tough thing to say. Uh, other mayors took different positions and took different stances there, but she was largely able to get people to think through what they were doing and to settle down. Yes, there's been damage in her big city, been damaged in a lot of cities, um, but she came out and said, hey, let, let's just go home. Uh, I would like to thank her for her service, to acknowledge uh, how difficult the work has been, uh, and also to just help us think through that, hey, not everybody uh, sees it's the greatest goal in life to run for and, and hold office. Uh, I understand that she had an opportunity to join the Biden administration because you know uh, she developed a very high profile uh, given all of these things that took place, but she turned down that opportunity because she thought she owed it to the voters of Atlanta who had elected her. Uh, she owed it to them to stay in office. We'll see what the future holds uh, as of what she is saying uh, right now. She doesn't have any other big opportunities to, to roll on to. Uh, she's just sort of leaping out on faith, knowing that this isn't quite the right place for her. Uh, and hoping that God will help reveal what is the right place for. Um, as we look back at the city of Atlanta, I was thinking I did a little research again in preparation for this, and I realized that she is only the sixth, I believe, African-American mayor. It has felt like uh, Atlanta has had African-American mayors forever uh, because most of them have served the two terms uh, Maynard Jackson has, in fact, served uh, three terms on separate occasions. 
Andrew Young, two terms, Bill Campbell, two terms, Shirley Franklin, two terms, Kasim Reed, two terms, and now uh, Keisha Lance Bottoms, one term, a term, and she'll be, be out of there. So thanks, Mayor Keisha. We've enjoyed having a mayor named Keisha, who's a Delta, as uh, the mayor of Atlanta, and we wish you the very, very best. Last thing I'd like to discuss here is one of our hyper local issues is the uh, impending demolition of 401 Walton Way. That building was constructed sometime in the mid 80s as our quote unquote new jail. I remember when that land was cleared and the building went up and um, then Almost immediately after it went up, there were problems with the uh, mechanical systems, uh, plumbing, etc. Uh, the rain coming into the building, um, you flush a toilet upstairs. And I understand if you were downstairs, sometimes you were lucky if the uh, remnants of that did not fall on you or on your desk. Um, absolutely horrible conditions. Uh, it stood there for a while, uh, waiting for decisions to be made. Uh, and I think that the Augusta Commission has made the right decision by uh, deciding to proceed with the demolition of that structure um, because it would just cost too much to try to fix it up. It's one of those points where you're at diminishing returns. So uh, I think they've made the right decision to let it go. I think the fact that they are having to do this probably is one of the biggest illustrations of a failure uh, in terms of uh, government um, that I can recall. Uh, when the building was built, there were problems. It appears as if uh, either the design or the construction was faulty. The inspections did not uh, catch things that they were supposed to catch in terms of that, it was just a colossal government failure for a structure to have to be demolished after such a short period of time. Uh, you have buildings that were built in the 1800s uh, and some probably even earlier than that in Augusta that are still standing. Whereas here you have a public facility built in the mid eighties, less than 40 years ago that uh, is having to be demolished because you can't make it usable at this point. Uh, I have been in that building, I think, on two occasions. Uh, one of those occasions was uh, when someone had stolen something, had a caregiver who had stolen from my parents, and I went down there to take a warrant out on the person. Uh, the other time was when I was working for uh, the old uh, YEO, Youth Employment uh, Opportunities, uh, organization and one of the uh, young people for whom I was the counselor uh, was jailed and I had to go up there to uh, get him to endorse his check. So been in there twice under bad circumstances both times um, but still you know it is a part of Augusta's history and I'm sure each of you uh, may have some memories of that facility uh, for you. I, I recall driving by there on any given occasion when there were uh, detainees there and I, you could hear them from the outside, which was kind of a spooky thing uh, as you drove by and you could just hear them talking, playing basketball, you know, whatever the case might be while they were detained there. So 
it's a piece of Augusta's history, but uh, we will uh, hope and expect that our local leadership can find uh, higher and better uses for that property. Uh, actually, it's a good location in terms of traffic counts and those sorts of things. So uh, hopefully they'll be able to put forward some uh, a really deliberate thought process into how that property can now be uh, recycled and reutilized after the demolition to ensure uh, that it is uh, in some way contributing to our community. I hope you have enjoyed this episode of Local Matters. Uh, next week, my guest will be uh, from Security Federal. It's time for them to come back to us again. Uh, we're going to talk about personal financial management and uh, just how uh, we can work uh, to improve our own financial condition and some of the services that are offered through Security Federal. I close with my favorite Bible verse from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. This show is designed to contribute to each of those, giving you the power that comes with knowledge, demonstrating love for your local community, and offering you wisdom for decision-making so that you possess a sound mind when it comes to these topics. Please tune in next Wednesday at 1.30 p.m. here on WKZK, 1600 AM, 103.7 FM, and WKZK.net, because local matters.